Hello, and welcome back to Porcelain Peak. What up? I'm your host, Anthony Perez. And I'm John Brasher. And this week, we are going to talk about our top five horror sci-fi crossovers. Whoop, whoop. But before we get started, we wanted to let you know that the reason for the gap between our last October countdown episode and last week's episode was because I got my teeth pulled and was at a commission. Womp womp. <laughs> and we also forgot on our last episode to bring you the Trivial Pursuit Horror Edition. So we're going to start by bringing that right back. Okay. The first one is from the Purple Wedge, which is Monsters. Okay, John. This one, I think, um, is pretty easy. So, see what you do. 30 Days of Night from 2007 is set in what American state? Alaska. <laughs> yes, that is correct. Yeah, it would be pretty crazy if California just had a random month where it was dark for 30 straight days. That would be a little nuts. It would be wild. I don't know how I would handle it. I mean, I am a night person. It would be easier to sleep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. All day. Yeah. All right, so the section that I have for you is going to be paranormal. Ooh. So this one is, in what year is the Blair Witch Project set? Not what year was it made, what year was it set? That is a good question. I'm going to say 98. Ooh, I or, mean, you're in the right decade. That's good. Uh, I'll give you a second guess. 96. You're, get, you're headed in the right direction. It's 94. <laughs> ah, what year was it made? 1999 was the nearest oh, okay. release, so I'm sure it was. It, it didn't seem like it took very long to actually shoot it. Well, there you go. Well, that's a point for you and no points for me. Someone, someone eventually will keep track of all this. <laughs> all right, so that's the end of the trivia. Uh, so I think at this point we'll just kind of jump right in. Uh, so we're going to do our our top fives. Do you have any like honorable mentions that you wanted to talk about a little bit? I'll say let's save our honorable mentions for the end. Uh, before the number one? Yeah. Let's do that. So let's go back and forth. Five, five, four, four, you know. Sounds like a plan. And then we, you said you also wanted to guess how many we have that will overlap with each other, right? Yeah, crossovers. Okay. So how many do you think that I'll have, that we'll have together? I'm thinking two. Okay. I'm thinking two. I'm gonna go with one. Okay, I think that's a I think that's a conservative answer. <laughs> I'm Price is right, yeah. <laughs> right. Got to get that point back. Yeah. Do you want to go first? Yeah, sure. All right. All right. So this one's definitely not on your list because I don't think you've seen it. Uh, so this one was one that I believe was released. It was either late last year or early this year. Uh, it's called Upgrade. So this movie. That's the Leigh Winnell one. Yes. Uh, yes, this was definitely Lewinell, uh directed and I believe also written by. And now this has some similarities in like a few concepts to like like RoboCop. Essentially, it's about this guy who gets into a really terrible accident and has someone he's loved taken from him, and he's left completely. Uh, quadriplegic so he's in a wheelchair he doesn't want to live his life anymore and then someone approaches him with a cybernetic upgrade basically they implant a chip onto the top of his spine that gives him the ability to walk well turns out that this chip also is sentient 
if there's an AI that's built into it, and this AI is all about letting him go on this revenge quest to try to get the people that wronged him. So, like, the first the first time that he actually approaches one of these people and dispatches them, whew, man, the kills in this movie are incredible. I mean, some of the, some of the most original things I've seen in a while. And it was just, it was an exciting thrill ride. Like, it was, like I said, it was very, very gory in a good way. And the story was really interesting. It took a lot of nice uh, twists and turns that I really appreciated. If you haven't seen it already, I would definitely suggest checking it out. It has a really great atmosphere to it. Like I said, the sci-fi elements are definitely there. The horror elements, like I said, you're more more in for the gore and for like kind of like the dark atmosphere. But man, it comes it comes heavy with the sci-fi. And it's Leigh Whannell who's yeah. most famous for doing the horror stuff too. I remember from the trailers. That there was a shot of the guy laying down, and he sort of f- floats himself back up in a way, and the camera goes with him. Mm-hmm. Were there other cool shots like that in the movie? Like, what were the shots like? So, there, it's very fast-paced. It doesn't get super shaky, which I really appreciated, but it, it follows the action in a really interesting way. Like I said, like you, it, you explained that one particular shot. Yeah. It does a lot of that type of stuff with the action. It kind of follows the actor around and allows him to be your focal point, even in, in those intense combat situations. It, like I said, it was just – it was a movie that I was expecting to be really bad. And I went in with low expectations, and they couldn't have been more exceeded. They were; it was an excellent film. I really enjoyed it. It's one of my favorite films of the past couple of years. So that was almost horror, sci-fi, and like an action movie. Yeah, kind of. Did it remind you of any other movies besides RoboCop? Because I feel like I'm getting a little bit of like a Terminator vibe. <laughs> yes and no. Like some of like the setup, just the, basically the genre that it's in, that makes a lot of sense. But like. Like I said, this particular character is – he's pretty much in control. You know, it's a its a character-driven piece and there's not a lot as far as like, you know, a crazy Terminator stalking and killing people. It's, it's, it's just a guy who's out there for revenge, which is another big horror trope, you know, and I feel like it does it in an interesting way that like – I said, it makes it worth sitting down to watch. That's for sure. How, would some, how does something like that compare to other revenge stories that were similar – like with Kevin Bacon's Death Sentence that came out a few years ago or that Bruce Willis movie that just recently came out. I think it was Death Wish. So I haven't seen Death Wish. Um, but I feel like, I said, like it has an interesting spin. It's, it, it takes things in a different direction. And it's almost like because there's that AI presence, mm-hmm. the main character is interested but almost apathetic and doesn't necessarily want to go to the crazy extremes that they're going to. Um and it's just like so. There's an interesting dynamic between the two, and it adds, it adds an internal struggle that you get externally, which I thought was super interesting and super cool. And like I said, it's I feel like it is it is an, in and of itself a, an original concept. It takes things that maybe maybe are well known tropes, and it it makes its own cool story out of it. And I really really enjoyed it. Cool man. Yeah, I'll have to check that out. I'll definitely I, watch it with you. I wanted to. I just never got around to it. But it looked cool, and I loved, like I said, I loved that one shot from the trailer. <laughs> like, that for me, that's enough to get me in the seat if they do cool stuff like that. Because a lot of times with action movies, you'll see a ton of cuts, yeah, or you'll see stuff that you've done a lot before, and that's sort of like its own thing. Where you do have elements of these revenge movies that have come before it, but they're adding more to it. So it is almost RoboCop in a way, 
which hasn't been done well since the original one. So I'd be interested to check that out. All right, so then my number five is going to have to be Pandorum. came out a few years back as Ben Foster in it mm-hmm. and Dennis Quaid. They wake up on a spaceship, and they don't know what's going on. And then weird stuff starts happening, and you don't really know what's going on. You don't really know who to trust. It's very dark and it's very gritty. And I know it wasn't super well-received, but when I saw it in theaters, I loved it. And I've watched it again since then. I own it, and I still enjoy it. I still think it's good. I think that that movie, it it gets... It got a lot of flack at first, but I feel like it's got a following. Like, a lot of people really enjoy it, especially for this crossover medium where you get the sci-fi and the horror elements. It definitely qualifies for that, and I feel like a lot more people are enjoying that movie. I mean, Ben Foster is an underrated actor, in my opinion. Love Ben Foster. He is an excellent actor. I mean... Ever since Flash Forward on Disney. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, uh, Angel from X-Men notwithstanding, he he is an excellent actor. (laughs) I don't think that was his fault. I think that part was just underwritten. He's um, another eh, eh movie that he was actually really good in was uh, Alpha Dogs. No one with Justin Timberlake? Yeah. That movie was decent, though, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah. A lot of people didn't like it. I enjoyed a lot of parts about it, but he was definitely the best part about that yeah. movie. I find him being the best part of a lot of stuff that he's in. Yeah, for sure. Like this one in particular. I thought he was great. Don't get me wrong. I watched Dennis Quaid, and he did a fantastic job. But what I like about this movie is that they both – are kind of confused, and so their confusion helps confuse you as an, as a viewer, and you don't really know where it's going and what direction is. And there's some weird stuff. I mean, it's science fiction. They ask you to suspend some disbelief. But for me, it worked, and the horror stuff isn't too strong. You do get elements of it, definitely, and it's very creepy. Yeah. And then the ending is a twist. <laughs> And I don't want to give that away because it was really cool the first time. It comes a little bit out of left field, but it does get dropped here and there if mm-hmm. you're like on rewatch, you know what I mean? And so, yeah, it's it's one of my top five for the horror sci-fi crossovers. It it definitely has a cult following, that's for sure. Do you think that the story from that, by not letting you in as much and kind of like keeping you in the dark as much as the characters are kept in the dark, do you think that that adds to the viewing experience or do you think it's a detriment? I would say it adds to it because as the movie develops, they're finding stuff out, so you're finding stuff out. So it almost puts you in the seat of these two actors. Mm -hmm. So you're with them. You're trying to figure stuff out while they're trying to figure stuff out. And so the more they know, the more you know, and you never get any of that like omniscient stuff. It's all just present. And so it kind of pulls you in because you're you're in it with them. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Uh, but yeah, so that's really interesting because that kind of leads me and sets me up really well for my number four pick, which I feel like is probably the least horror on my list, but it definitely has some horror themes. There are definitely some scares, but it's more of a dark, I'd say, sci-fi thriller or a sci-fi mystery kind of a movie. Seven. It definitely has the sci-fi. You know, like I said, there is some some suspension of disbelief and the concept of having like this like this killer based around the seven deadly sins is just, it's so interesting. And the visuals are, like I said, they're very dark. They're very Gothic. And it just, it, it, it oozes just like this atmosphere. And it's another movie where, like I said, you don't have that omniscience. It's all hyper-focused on the present. 
and the characters that you're presented with, which are the detectives. And the performances in that movie are absolutely outstanding. It's unfortunate that we have to speak his name, but uh, Kevin Spacey was fantastic in this film. <laughs> I, I wish he was a better dude, but they don't really make better actors. Man, he, he's been in some really crazy things. Uh, but Morgan Freeman and, and uh, Brad Pitt are excellent in this as well. Yeah, and I think that – I don't know if we're going to get in there but having a theme here, but so far we've all had – all the movies we've picked have had these twists <laughs> to them. Until you mentioned it right now, I never really thought of Seven as being science fiction. I've always thought of it more of like a thriller, but mm. sell me on that. Sell me on it being a science fiction movie. So there are things that that you have to suspend that disbelief with. I mean because the realism of walking in on someone who's been – who's basically been starved to death but is still alive for over a year. Like I said, that concept's not something that's really necessarily super well-based in science. You know, like it's something where you have to kind of have faith that the movie is going in a good direction. And like I said, it's, the, it's, it's not necessarily that you're on the hunt for a killer. It's the way that the killer is choosing to do the things. The fact that that killer would kind of have that, that level of mind – in order to get past all of the obstacles and make all of these things happen under everyone's nose without anybody knowing is just, like I said, it's something that you have to suspend that disbelief with. And I think that that's a, that's a textbook sci-fi thing. And it, it really comes in heavy for sci-fi with me with the visuals. And like, so like the scene at, I don't want to dig too far into this because it, it, like I said, it's one of those movies where once you've seen it, like I said, there's a lot, there's a lot that you can digest on multiple viewings, but as far as, like, if you don't know how it ends, you don't want to know how it ends until you've seen it. And But there's a scene in this sex club, and the way that they shoot everything there and, like, the – just, like, the costumes, it just had – it. It almost had this like really dark, disgusting, gritty Star Wars feel to me. Just the way that they move through the bar, and it like almost reminded me of like the cantina scene. <laughs> and like it's just it, man. It it just it's so good. Like I said, the sci-fi elements may be a little light, the horror elements may be a little light, but I feel like put them together, and you get a lot of that that intrigue. And, I, and honestly, for me, you know, if you're adding a religious theme, then that's a little sci-fi for me. You know, it's not it's. And it's not like they were like super over the top, like, oh, God said this and God said that. Like, it's like a, about the Bible. But adding that religious aspect to me, like I said, it adds a level of science fiction for me. If I can convince you that Terminator is a horror movie, then I think I can get behind <laughs> Seven being a sci-fi movie. But either way, however you want to categorize that film, it's it's good. Yeah, it is you fantastic. Know, it's definitely worth a watch. And for a while they were doing like the – I don't know what they called them. They were Blu-rays. But the cover was also a book. Hmm. I think maybe they're calling them digi books or something like that. I'm not totally sure. But yes, so the cover opened and it had like a pamphlet in it with the disc. And I have seven like that. And it goes through all the deadly sins and what they took from what and how they yeah. made the scenes and stuff. And it's really cool. Yeah. I'll have to show that to you. As you were talking about it, I was sort of thinking like if Kevin Spacey would have, or the character, John mm. Doe, would have. If the movie was longer and he was able to keep doing what he was doing, then I wonder if almost he would have gone into the territory of sort of like a Frankenstein type thing. Because hmm. I feel like elements 
are there, like with the with the guy on the bed. Yeah. You know, where he's gross and he's manipulating bodies and keeping that kind of stuff. And I'm not saying for sure, <laughs> but I like to think that that's the direction he would eventually go in. Yeah. But I could just be biased because I'm a huge Frankenstein fan. Yeah, it's an interesting concept. Yeah, so anyway, I don't know if that works, but I like to think it would. So let's go ahead and go to my number four, which is a pretty popular movie. So we'll see how this one goes over. But The Mist. Hmm. That movie is good, exactly how it is. But recently they came out with a black and white cut. Huh. Yeah, I think you were telling me about this. And you wouldn't think that that much would change it. And you. It's crazy how much better that movie is in black and white. Like, it it would make it go from an 8 to a 10. Yeah. At least. And part of the reason, too, is because that movie doesn't have great computer graphics. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's definitely from an era where where the graphics weren't as as crisp and clean. I mean, which is unfortunate because you have a movie that came out several years before that in Jurassic Park where the graphics look amazing. Yeah. But... I don't think that that's really the strong suit of a movie like The Mist. No. And so, again, too, the black and white helps dampen mm-hmm. the difference between the reality and the computer. And so that sort of helps bridge that gap where it does feel grittier now and it feels a lot more realistic. Mm-hmm. And that movie, again, <laughs> a twist massive ending. Massive twist. Yes. It- which was his or not the original ending from the story yeah so frank darabont actually came up with the concept for this um stephen king has actually been on record saying that he wishes this was the ending that he wrote for the story uh by the way i'm gonna go ahead and just uh let you know now uh this is our first crossover my number three is the mist Ah! so yeah uh this movie is absolutely fantastic i love stephen king i love the changes that frank darabont made to the story and the performances are absolutely stellar i mean there's a reason why a lot of the the actors and actresses in this movie got poached and taken for something like the walking dead you know it, they were really strong performances they had interesting vibes to them and like i said it just on top of this crazy mist and all these crazy beasts, you also have this religious overtones to the story as well, where it's just everything is just so tense. And the ending, like I said, it's one of the best endings in, in all of horror cinema. It's just absolutely a gut punch. I'm going to go right here and say it's one of the best endings in a movie, period. Yeah. <laughs> but just as proof, I'm going to pull up my note. Yeah, I believe you. Right there, number okay. three. <laughs> Yeah, so another thing, like you were saying, is that you get you get the monsters, and at the beginning of the movie, you don't really know what's going on. Yeah. So it could be nothing. could be missed. And then you're kind of, you know, you're finding out again when they're finding out. Mm-hmm. And so you don't get a lot throughout the whole thing until they get some. And then you find out that it is these sort of creatures. And then the movie takes you and focuses solely on the characters. Yeah. And it has this idea of paranoia throughout the whole thing. And you don't know if the monsters are outside or if the monsters are inside. And for them to make a movie in a side of a small grocery store and it be that intense mm-hmm. is brilliant. Yeah. It takes a lot of skill from behind the camera and in front of the camera to pull something like that off. Thomas Jane's performance is absolutely excellent. I don't remember who's the the religious zealot the female i don't remember what her name is she's in a lot of really good things but yeah as far as like as far as like the monsters are concerned too like if the cg had been a little better 
their design is super cool. They have this like really like Cthulhu esque Lovecraftian kind of like vibe to them, and I really dig that. I they, you don't see it enough. Like they like people like just steer away from it for one reason or the other. Uh, I think probably because back in the day it was a little a little harder to make that look real. And I, this movie definitely suffers from that a little bit. But I'm really interested to check out the black and white to see what that would do for me. Like I said, the the big parts for this one for me were the the characters, the storyline itself, and then that ending. Man, if it's already in your top three, I don't know what two and what are, but I feel like it might move. There's a potential. I are. mean, <laughs> I mean, you'll you'll see what two and one are, and I think that I think that you'll be like, ah, uh, maybe we're not moving any of those. So the actress you were looking for, her name is Marcia Gay Harden. She played Mrs. Carmody. Yeah, and she is absolutely terrifying in that movie. Man, oh man. yeah, she's as scary as the monsters. Yeah, yeah, and there's a ton of Walking Dead alum mm. in this movie, including the the writer director. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so then technically that was your third, so then I got to do three next. Yep, you're up to three. <laughs> All right. Man, I hope these aren't crossovers, dude. So my number three is Cloverfield. You're safe. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah, so that movie came out when I was in my late teens, and there was a lot of mystery wrapped around it. So for me, that's a part of the experience they released you know, trailers here, trailers there. Nobody knew what it was about, really. You got that iconic poster of the Statue of Liberty with the claws on it and everything. Yeah. And it was a time when people were doing these viral campaigns too much. And the website for it had clues and little postcards that you had to dig through and piece together to try and figure out more pieces to the movie. And I loved that. I got into that. When that trailer came out, I was stoked, and I went to the website, and I didn't know a ton of stuff I was doing, so I just kind of played around with it. <laughs> and then when that finally came out, I took a bunch of my friends to see it. Yeah. They had mixed reactions, but I thought it was fantastic. We get the found footage stuff, which we've had a lot of sense, and you and I have talked about that a lot before, but we get so much more underneath that. And that movie gets pretty gruesome. Mm-hmm. Some Definitely. people complain that there's not a ton of the monster or clover whatever you want to call it and i'm okay with it i mean classic monster movies don't show you a ton of the monster less is more i mean i mean look at jaws jaws is one of the biggest horror movies of all time and that's i mean they were kind of hampered by technology but i mean it ended up creating a tense atmosphere and i feel like cloverfield definitely has that in spades this movie was on my short list i don't think it would have made my honorable mentions but it was definitely one in consideration yeah and there's that idea, too, that I've heard where this was sort of our version of Godzilla mm-hmm. in reaction to something like 9-11. Yeah. And I thought that – I didn't know that at the time watching it, but knowing that after and rewatching it and stuff, I really like that idea. Yeah. Of us taking a similar idea and applying it to, to New York and to that event. Outside of the tragedy stuff, that movie – I mean, it goes pretty hard, and there's some mm-hmm. intense moments. And obviously, you get the science fiction because you don't really know what this creature is or where it's from or how it got here. And one of the most terrifying things about that movie is those little lice-type yeah. creatures, the little clover lice things. And then there's a part where that girl fills up with blood and explodes. Yeah. 
I mean, Gnarly. There's some. There's some. Definitely some. Some. Some gruesome stuff in that movie, and and for for the benefit of the audience. I mean, like I said, that movie is it's an enjoyable ride. I don't get the detractors on this one. Like, I mean, there. I mean, I'm the kind of person who still enjoys a found footage film. You know, I know that they were done to death, but when they're done right, they're they're great. And and I think this one was one of the ones that was done right. Yeah, and and you get T.J. Miller behind. Mostly behind the camera, <laughs> just yelling one-liners. So yeah. it does have a comedic element, too, and helps relieve some of the tension. But you do get the genuine fear from the group. And well, it's not too shaky. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> well, and, and say what you will about about uh, the uh, Netflix, the Netflix uh, Cloverfield movie. But, I mean, it has spawned a franchise up to this point. And, and interestingly enough, it's like almost an anthology, and I love that concept 10 cloverfield lane is claustrophobic and terrifying and i think that if they continue to make cool things i'm down i'm i'm in for it i mean we were talking about it last week that that people thought that overlord was part of the cloverfield franchise and it's it's just crazy that so many things can be brought into this one territory and like i said it, it just it shows how great that first movie is yeah, and I agree. I like the anthology aspect. I like the idea of having different films that all kind of take the atmosphere from each other. Mm-hmm. Like the Halloween franchise was going to do. I think it would have been really cool if we would have gotten more standalones wrapped around Halloween. Yeah. And not necessarily focused on Myers. Man, if Season of the Witch had done better. <laughs> I wish it had. Yeah. It deserved it. And so we don't see a lot of movies like that anymore. But we do get a lot of TV shows like that now mm-hmm. that follow that format, like American Horror Story or Channel Zero. Or um, uh, Black Mirror. Black Mirror, yeah. Black Mirror is even more so where it's episode to episode instead of like season to season. Yeah. But yeah, I mean that's – I love Cloverfield. And I really like 10 Cloverfield Lane 2. That one doesn't have as much sci-fi. Definitely not as much. Horror to it as the original does. So that's why I picked that one over the other one. Mm-hmm. All right, let's hear your number two, man. All right, so my number two is a giant, giant classic, Alien. You're making a face. I'm just so. going to no, put the headphones down. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's my number two. Too. <laughs> <laughs> I have a sneaking suspicion that number one's probably going to be awful similar. So, yeah, Alien is a technical marvel. It has... Some of the best characters in all of cinema. Uh, Ripley is is the pinnacle of the strong female lead. Man, that movie it it's so tense, and they do do so many cool things by almost tr- like tricking the audience along with tricking the actors. the The chestburster scene is it's iconic for that reason. The reactions were so visceral and so real, and. Like I said, the atmosphere that's built in this tiny ship is just – it's absolutely incredible. Uh, I couldn't gush enough about this, but I want to leave some meat on the bone. I mean, what, what's the reason why Alien is number two on your list? I think a lot of it has to do with the artwork. The stuff that Geiger was able to do for that movie is – it's weird. It's industrial. It's different. And not only – did you not see something like that before? But you don't really see stuff like that now. Yeah, even even with multiple movies in the same franchise, you still don't get the same art style that you get with this. Yeah, and and it is one of those rare, like, is this a sci-fi movie? Is this a horror movie? No, this is 
Both. This is yeah. It, there's no way around that. It, it's both because it's terrifying. It's on lists of one of the best horror movies of all time, and it's definitely on list for one of the best sci-fi movies of all time. And it's the birth of the xenomorph. Yeah, which has spawned how many films now? Five. I mean, if, I, it's got it's more spinoffs. Says it's more than that if you count AVP. Yeah, man, it's it's. There isn't enough that we could say about it. It is a little bit of a slow burn, but in the best way. I mean, it has so much payoff, and that that um, the and alien was just a dude in a suit for a lot of it. But like they, the like, way that they shot it and the way that they edited it, it just made it seem so creepy. And oh man, it's like I said, it's an iconic character, almost as iconic as Ripley. Ripley, it, like I said, Ripley will live live on forever in cinema history. I I know that a lot of people feel differently about alien three and all that good stuff but i mean i feel like the entire arc of that character is is worth celebrating and you know a case can be made that two is equally as good but as far in terms of like sci-fi horror i think this is the best balance and combination of the two together yeah i would definitely say it's more sci-fi action horror with aliens uh yeah and horror the horror elements are incredibly sparse as compared but this movie is terrifying in the and best it way. Dark. Yeah. Yeah. I have a copy of this. I don't know if I ever showed it to you. <laughs> I found it at Walmart. It mm-hmm. was a Blu-ray and it was like 10 bucks. And so I immediately bought it and it came with the movie, mm-hmm. a comic book of sort of the story. And then a stack of postcards, essentially that were all different conceptual arts from Geiger. Oh man, that's so incredible. It's gorgeous. Yeah. We'll have to, we're going to, that's you now know what we're doing after recording. We're going to go check that out. <laughs> I also, I'm going to mention it to the audience. I know you got to look at it. Got the Universal Monster 30 film collection on Blu-ray. It's a it's a beautiful looking set. Um, I want to say it's like it's six or seven boxes. I'm sure there's multiple discs on the inside of the boxes, but man, it's in a nice compact little case. It. it it looks great. I mean, like I said, we're going to have to break out some of these old classics and start picking them apart. Yeah. That's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah, I want it to go on the shelf right next to the Twilight Zone pack I have. But it does not pack. fit. <laughs> it's heartbreaking. It's too big. <laughs> too thick. Thick with two Cs. But yeah, so Alien, back on topic, it's it's just brilliant. It's yeah. good. It's definitely one of Scott's best. And it holds up today. Yeah. And the graphics, like you were saying, ahead of the time. Has that sort of space odyssey feel where it's like, how in the world did they do that? Or like with with Star Wars. I mean, they came out around the same time. Like a lot of people think that that Alien came out in like the mid '80s. It's like no, it came out like in the '70s. Yeah, and it it was a it was definitely ahead of its class, especially for horror. Yeah, and like you were saying, I love that Ridley is the strong female character. And when I think of strong female characters, honestly, she is the first one I go to. Yeah. Say what you want about uh, Sarah Connor and Laurie Strode. Yeah, but... but I instantly go to Ripley. Yeah, Ripley came first, in my opinion. (laughs) And she's bad. All right, so do you want to dig into some honorable mentions before we get to that number one spot? Yes, and when we do get to the number one spot, I think we should just say at the same time, because I wanted to see if it's going to be the same thing. (laughs) If it's not, we'll re-record it. Some honorable mentions for me, and this might be a little bit of a stretch, but Resident Evil. I I think that there's enough sci-fi on the bone for that, strictly because it, it's a video game, and yeah. I and, and it's 
I mean, it is science-based. It's about I mean, a virus. <laughs> I mean, uh, it's on my short list. Uh, a lot of people hate the Resident Evil franchise, and I know that there are some bad movies in that franchise, but it's a guilty pleasure of mine. I Same There's way. a lot that I really enjoy about that. And, like, part of it is because, I, I mean, I've played almost all of the Resident Evil games. They were some of my favorite parts of horror gaming in, in childhood. The first one definitely does its best to try to capture some of the magic from the games. They're their own thing, for sure, but... It does a little bit to try to capture some of that claustrophobia, and it was just—it's just—it's very atmospheric. Yeah, and I—I uh, I was scared of the games when I was a kid. I played <laughs> the first one for ten minutes because I was right when it came out, so I was, we were pretty young, mm. and I turned it off. Oh, I loved it, I and loved then it. I saw the movie in theaters. I think opening night, and. When you're a kid and going to stuff like that to those big releases and a ton of people, I think it adds more to the experience. Mm-hmm. And so you almost fall in love with the memory and relation to the film and not necessarily the film itself. Yeah. But I've always been a huge fan of that franchise. I've seen every single one in theaters, even though I know that most of them are really bad. Like, two is terrible. Yeah, they're 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 very campy. Yeah. And they're they're not bad on purpose they're they're bad just because they're bad but there's something about them that they're they're endearing for me i mean and they made money oddly enough for them to get six or seven made i'm hoping it's done Mm. i think that it needs just they they just need to walk away from it yeah Yeah. but i used i mean that movie made me fall in love with mila jovovich yeah (laughs) and so i've seen almost everything she's done yeah uh one of these days um if we ever decide to Get into streaming or something. We should play Resident Evil Seven. I give it a shot. That's yeah. the newest one, right? It's the newest one. It. Um, I played a little bit of that one actually. So it's it's an interesting concept because it takes a lot of the Resident Evil tropes of like the puzzles and having like limited ammo and having to constantly like change your resources and try to like combine things so that way you can carry enough stuff on you uh, to complete the puzzles but it has this Texas chainsaw massacre crazy cannibal family the bakers are terrifying and i love the game it's so excellent we'll have to do it one of these days i think it'd be a lot of fun yeah i'd be down to do that um the only other one i'll mention and we don't have to dive too much into it Came out a couple years ago called Life. Mm-hmm. Had Jake Gyllenhaal and Ryan Reynolds in it. And I thought it was pretty cool. That one got not favorable reviews. I think it was like a 60-something on Rotten, which is mm-hmm. okay. But I thought that it did a lot of cool stuff. It definitely felt like an alien movie. Yeah. And they did, pulled from that. And there was some stuff that didn't make sense even with the like context of the film itself. But for the most part, the creature was pretty cool, had a lot of cool kills, Mm -hmm. and the space stuff was intense, and they kind of get right into it. And so, again, we don't have to dive into it, but I just wanted to add it to my honorable mentions. Yeah, so I have – I think I'm just going to go with one on this one because we already talked about that uh, uh, one of the ones – from Cloverfield was on my short list. So the one that's on my my honorable mentions list – is another one by Paul W.S. Anderson, Event Horizon. Mm. That movie is underrated. It's definitely a cult classic at this point. I know that it did have some problems as far as like studio mingling and like interference, and it just didn't it didn't come out the way that they wanted it to. Is that the one with Sam Neill? Yes. Okay. But holy hell, is it is it one of the goriest movies I've ever seen? 
oh my gosh, it is just, I mean, so visceral and so raw. And like the imagery is just, it's disgusting in the best way. And it was just, it was, it was an interesting experience for me. I watched it pretty young. I want to say I was 15 or 16 when I watched it. And man, it, it, the images from that movie have stuck with me all these years. And I love it for that. I've I've seen it once, half paying attention. I hate to say, <laughs> yeah, but it, I remember sort of the ending and where it all comes from, mm-hmm. and that was gnarly. Yeah, definitely. Like I said, it's if if you if you feel like you can stomach it, see that movie. It's definitely worth the watch, at least once. All right, we ready to do our number one. All right, we can do like a three, two, one, shoot. We'll do three, two, one, say it. Okay. Go ahead. Three, two, one, the, the thing. thing. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it, what else could it be? Yeah. I mean, the thing is absolutely perfect. It's one of my favorite movies of all time, period. Yeah. No, without without adding any additional uh monikers to it. I mean, it it's it's so tense and the atmosphere that's built and the relationships that are kind of built and then torn down and then built again and then torn down again between all these characters. It's just so amazing. The visuals are incredible and it, it has one of the bleakest endings in in all of cinema and it's just so good. I mean, I'll, I'll I'll let you speak about it a little bit as well before I gush about this beautiful (laughs) movie that I love so much. Some of the stuff that I like about that movie, too, is that it looks fantastic. They went more practical than anything. Mm -hmm. And there are parts that look legit like creatures coming out of other creatures. The only part that really doesn't look that great is when they're looking at the crater. Mm -hmm. That part, you can tell, is a little bit dated. But other than that, that movie, I mean, you can't tell. What's going like? What's fake and what's going on and all that stuff. And a, f- a couple of years ago, or maybe it was last year, I got like the special edition. They did some research and they said that it was one of the best transfers to Blu-ray. So I got the Blu-ray of it. It was like thirty bucks, which is a lot for a single Blu-ray nowadays. Yeah. That's like a 4K for sure, you know. And I walked, got it, immediately put it on, and I was blown away. I was like, man, this transfer looks fantastic. It. It looks even better. Well, and be- and because of the place that they shot it, and because of the way that they chose to use practical effects, everything holds up to this day so well. And I mean, it's another movie that that just cements John Carpenter at the top of the list when you talk about horror directors. I mean, and it just it's so crazy how they took something that was a pretty by the numbers like old style horror sci fi movie and they turned it into something that was iconic. Yeah, and we may have mentioned it before, but it is one of those ones where the remake, in this case, the Carpenter one, is better than the original. Oh, it far exceeds it by a long shot. But a lot of people have said that it's not necessarily a remake of Thing from Another World. Mm -hmm. It's more of John Carpenter's interpretation of the original story that they're both based on. And I like that idea, too. I, I think that we should make that distinction more mm-hmm. that things aren't necessarily remakes it's yeah. a different interpretation or i guess we use reimagining but that sounds kind of silly to me too <laughs> <laughs> but like i said the acting performances in this are stellar oh yeah the, kurt russell fantastic oh yeah everybody in that movie really 
Yeah. Get the guy rollerblading all around. <laughs> I'm sorry, roller skating. Yeah, it's roller skating. Rollerblades probably weren't even around really yet. But like I said, just the way that they built tension and the way that they created these creepy monsters like nothing you've ever seen before. And it, like I said, it's just so dramatic. Like I said, it's one of those movies where where you don't get that release valve let off until the credits roll. Yeah, and, it has a great score to it too. Mm-hmm. And I'm pretty sure... It sounds Carpenter esque, but I want to say Carpenter didn't do it. Yeah, I'm, but I'm sure he had input. I mean, John Carpenter's not the kind of person who's gonna let a lot of those things kind of slip past him. That was another movie that I think initially was panned mm-hmm. critically and did poorly in the box office too. Yeah, but then later on developed a following. Which, like I said, it, I mean, it doesn't make any sense to me. Like. Well, I think I, it was before its time. Yeah, uh, definitely. People didn't know for what sure. to do with it. Like I, I could not think of, aside from maybe that the the way that the crater looked. I cannot think of a single fault. And at the time, it wouldn't have looked bad. At the time, it would have looked fine. It's just on a Blu-ray. Yeah. Now to my, to my uh, desensitized eyes. <laughs> <laughs> but it's beautifully paced. The story is incredible. It, like I said, it has that amazing tension. The practical effects are absolutely outstanding, and it's like I said, it's a thrill ride. It's it's it is the definition of the slow burn horror film. I wouldn't even say that necessarily because you get stuff right away where the tension is constantly building, and you get the paranoia, and they show you bits and parts of the monster throughout mm-hmm. the whole thing, and then you never know who's who. And so I, for me, it wasn't a slow burn. I was terrified and like. Into it the whole time. Or I guess not into it. That doesn't necessarily count. But, you know, it gives you parts. Yeah. Like, it's like, here's a little bit. Here's a little bit. Here's a little bit. And, yeah, it's building tension throughout that whole thing. And then you get this giant climax. Mm-hmm. And it's worth the wait. And then there, and then on top of that, even after the climax, it doesn't let you go. There's still more. And it's just, oh, it, if you haven't seen it, do yourself a favor. Go see it. It's um, definitely a 10 out of 10 for me. Yeah. If I if, if these ones go to eleven for me, I mean it, it is it is a perfect film, man. I'm just thinking about how terrified I was during the the shock scene. Yeah, dude, that's that part <laughs> mm-hmm. is so. It's weird. It's scary. It looks fantastic, yeah. and it's just messed up. Oh yeah, and I feel like that's a really good way to describe this movie is messed up. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> I want to go watch it right now. <laughs> yeah, and and you might not realize it until you've seen it, but that movie all has influenced a lot of stuff. Obviously, there was the remake slash prequel, mm-hmm. which sort of hit very similar beats, even though it was supposed to take place before this one. Yeah, I only saw it the once in theaters, obviously, because I was a huge fan of the original, and I wanted to see what they were going to do with it. So I'd be interested to go back and check that out, because I've heard... In a retrospect, that movie's pretty decent. It's just it's tough when you're stacking up against one of the best movies of all time. Yeah. Now, did they – I don't remember. Did they redo the blood scene in that? Like I said, I haven't seen it since it was in theaters. Yeah, I mean it's, like been a, it's been a while. At least 10 years ago. Yeah. <laughs> but also too, and this goes with the sweater that you have on, It there's an episode of The X-Files – that is very the thing mm-hmm. influenced. It's about like a parasite that 
you can't tell if it's inside somebody or not. And that comes up a lot. Yeah. And so it's cool to see stuff that gets pulled from older things. And so if you haven't seen the thing and you are into this genre or any other genre really, there are influences of it, threads of it throughout a lot of different things. Yeah, all throughout pop culture. It's something where I'd be interested to see like like – Going back and not having seen the thing first before I saw a lot of these other mediums to be like, oh, that like I like watching the thing being like, oh, that that looks like this from this movie or this TV show or that sort of a thing. It's just it, it its influence spreads so much further than its original like critical like appraisal. For me, it's one of those movies that I wish and that I have a list of these that I wish that I could go back and watch again for the first time mm-hmm. to relive that my first experience seeing that because it's so good. And I remember that feeling and it's still like, it's not the exact same, not to the same extent, but I still get super excited every time I watch that movie because yeah, it is so, so incredible. Good. Yeah. It's a masterpiece. Yeah. So that was our top fives. Uh, so we had, I believe three crossovers, the mist alien, and the thing. So I, I I think that means that I won? I mean, I think a case could be made that nobody won. <laughs> I don't think that's how that works, my guy. You even said Price is Right rules, baby. <laughs> Closest without going over? Yep. <laughs> well, you got me there, John. <laughs> so that's two points for you this okay. week. We've got but, good taste. What can we say? Yeah, that's going to about wrap it up for this episode. Since later this week is going to be Thanksgiving... For the episode following on the 26th, we are going to be watching and talking about a Thanksgiving horror movie called... Thanksgiving. Oh, my God. <laughs> and we might even watch the direct sequel, Thanksgiving 3. <laughs> Which... <laughs> if you are familiar with these movies, I've only seen the first one. I haven't seen the second slash third one. So I've seen... I've but seen some. Bad. I've seen some parts... Of Thanks Killing Three, um, it was on uh, Pluto TV. We were I needed a place to stream. I believe it was Your Next uh, for the Halloween Spooktober uh, uh, extravaganza, and uh, I got sucked in for like five minutes of just utter garbage. And I'm I'm excited to kind of tear this one up a little bit. I think that it would be a good idea later down the line. Maybe we should do maybe so. Uh, don't quote me on this. Come January, where all the terrible horror movies go to die, we should watch some of the worst horror movies of all time. We should talk about them. Yeah, we'll have to definitely do that. And I'll probably like a lot of them because I'm a huge B-movie fan. <laughs> I don't know. Some of these are real bad, though. But yeah, so Thanks Killing is – it's so bad that it's good, but then it's so bad that it's good that it's bad again. <laughs> <laughs> it's – it's definitely a joke, and they know it, and you can tell. And the production value is low, and it makes terrible jokes. The graphics are terrible, but you don't get a lot of uh, Thanksgiving-themed horror movies. So if you know any others, then feel free to send them in to us. You can reach us by email at wordsforweirdos at gmail.com. And you can check us out on the Porcelain Peak website, which is wordsforweirdos.com slash porcelainpeak. Or on Instagram. Yes, which is words for weirdos. And as always, we would love for you guys to rate, review, and subscribe over at Apple Podcasts. 
we are still in that critical point where we can get to the news and noteworthy section of podcasts. And so with your help, we could get there and then reach more people and keep this bad boy going. Yeah. Other than that, just want to thank you for listening, and we'll see you next week. Keep it spooky. A Hyperforge Alpha Network production.